What if you could live up to 100 years old? Different people will react differently depending on how you look at it, but the possibility of that happening is getting very real with advances in healthcare and technology. How does living longer affect the way you should think about retirements? In our community, we like to talk about FIRE. Financial independence, retire early. We talk about retiring early, right? What if we miscalculated how much we need for our retirement because we are living longer than expected? Times have changed and the way we should think about our life is different as well. We talk about this concept called the multi-stage life. What does that mean and how should we prepare to retire with wealth, health and happiness? Let's find out. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Hello, my name is Andrew and welcome to another Chill with TFC episode. In this series, we talk to interesting people with relevant experience and insights to help us learn from their perspectives so that we can create the life we love and manage our finances well. My guest is the Chief Customer Officer of Prudential Singapore. He champions customer-centricity across the organization and oversees Prudential Singapore's customer strategy and initiatives, marketing and events. He has more than 25 years of marketing and business management experience across different industries from FMCG to financial services. Let's welcome Tenkiet. May I ask how old are you? Because it helps in understanding, you know, how you think about retirement. Okay, I always tell people I'm 35, but I'm uh, coming to 53. Mm, okay, okay. Th- 35, that's me. <laughs> All right. I mean, so different people at different age will think about retirement different, differently, right? Would you agree? Yeah. So at, at your current stage, uh, what's retirement to you? How are you planning for it? Okay. I'm actually quite a believer in that. And I do see that among a lot of my friends these days, especially friends of your age, uh, which is where retirement, where we used to view it, right? I'm not sure whether you can actually relate to that because you are very young, but maybe you, when you see that for of your parents, where retirement tend to be a bit more like a three-stage phase. They would study to a certain age and then they start working and working and working for a very, very long time. So as to save a pot, right? We always call it the retirement nest, a retirement mm. pot, so that they can slowly decumulate and use that pot for the rest of their life. Okay, when you say de- decumulate, right? It means they are drawing down from drawing the, down, exactly. the savings that they have. That's okay. right, from that pot. So that seems to be the old view and perception right. of retirement. Study, work hard. Study, work very long, not just hard, very work long. very, very long. And then after that, uh, retire and not knowing when you kind of kick the bucket, right? Kind of like three stages. Yes, three mm-hmm. stages. I think what we are seeing right now more, what we are, we internally call it the multi-stage life, mm-hmm. where somebody will still study, they will work for a period of time. They may just decide to take a little pause to recalibrate, reflect, and may, perhaps do something different. Maybe even pursuing a course, which is great. If you remember that, it's kind of uh, in line with what the government is, is asking everybody to do, continuous learning and so on. And after they've done that, or do some other things, travel, find themselves, go somewhere, meditate, do, do something different, go into charitable work. And then after that, 
start to find out whether that career that they've been pursuing is the right one or should they do something totally different or they may just decide to continue that career. Mm. And then that stage of life kind of repeat itself. So it is really taking the three stage time sort of cutting out into pieces but kind of repeat itself if, uh, uh, between those three. So you hear yes. of the gap year, sabbatical. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, and you hear of the great resignation during COVID. People That's quit right. their jobs to find themselves to That's travel. Right. That's right. I do not know whether you personally have friends who are doing that. I have, oh, I, I have I seen. Reg- Reggie is one. Ah, right, exactly, <laughs> right. right. So I've seen a few of which uh, they who have done the first stage. They have first stage of career life. One person particularly I know and I've used that story before to tell my financial consultant He's a Korean army man for a while. Then after a couple of years, he went on. He actually took a break, went to kind of like study, improving himself. Then came back and started to do charitable work, philanthropy kind of work. And then now started his own restaurant and uh, uh, run events and so on. So he's kind of like in his second stage now. right? So I'm seeing a lot more of that. Even friends at my age, uh, they are so-called stopping their own active work earlier and calibrating and doing other things right now. Mm. right? And it's by choice. It's not by the fact that they are asked to retire of their job. It's by choice. Why do you think that is so, this multi-stage life? When do we start having a multi-stage life? Um, I, I, I think the whole premise of work being everything that you want to work for just because you need the job, you need to accumulate the savings, is I think gone. I think a lot of people are trying to find uh, in line with a lot of things that we're seeing right now, right? Uh, purpose. What, what do you want to live for, right? And I think those little gap years help you to do that. But we also need to understand that when we pursue such multi-stage life, uh, you need a lot more planning. Definitely, mm-hmm. right? It's not like the old three-stage life where it's just uh, saving, saving, savings while you work. You work hard. When uh, perhaps work gets a bit tough, you just start hard. You cannot lose the job mm-hmm. because you want to keep saving. But I think now if... It's a very different kind of plan. So you need to plan early. You need to review those plans frequently. Um, and also ensuring that at the end of it, what is very important as well, fundamental, is also your own health. So right now, I, perhaps I think this is why we are seeing quite a lot of people intending to get more fit, get more healthy, need to make sure that, and I think it's a good realisation, right, that everybody understands not just pursuing work, savings, but making sure that they are at the same time healthy as well. So I mm. think that's important as well. And is that why you run? That is why I run. And right? I'm sure you do other forms of exercise as I well. do actually, yeah, do. yeah, yeah. So I, I do quite a bit of exercises on my own part of my balanced lifestyle, mm. I suppose. So I do run uh, four times a week. Uh, I try to cover close to about 30 click a week or so. So we'll split between the four runs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a week, a week. Not, right. not each time, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and then I do a bit of swimming over the weekend. And also because of running, I do a stretch out yoga once. Okay. So talk about health and the multi-stage. Well, we need to talk about prudential study. It is highly possible. It is getting more and more possible that we could possibly live up to 100 years old yes. because of technology, because of healthcare improvements and, and all that. And if you are talking about a multi-stage life, 100 years old, that's many, many stages. Yeah, you can chop many times. <laughs> yeah, you, you <laughs> just recalibrate, rechange your life right. several times, right? right. So right. how should we plan for, for retirement? I mean, you mentioned we need to have a certain capital base as well in order to well, quit our jobs and take a sabbatical. Yes. You, know, you need to be able to do that Correct. with uh, enough resources. Correct. So how should we plan for such a multi-stage life, especially if we are living longer? Right. I think the good long, long time wisdom that's been shared around such planning is to do it early. 
I think that never goes away. So it's never too early to plan for such things, right? Because if you expect perhaps to reach a certain stage where expenditure is needed, whether to pursue a different study or whatsoever, you need money. And maybe during that period of time you want to study, you, you may not even have income. You decide to take a sabbatical where there's no income. So you need to find ways to sustain yourself. So I think you have to plan early. That's one thing. You perhaps should get professional help to help you to plan as well so that you take care of your immediate needs and also future needs as well. And also at the same time, a lot of people do not realize that it's not just about planning to have savings or planning to have investments so that your wealth can grow. How do you protect them? right? So it's also important to protect your wealth in a sense so that if anything unexpected, right, do you have a backup sum of money? That's available. But that's absolutely very useful for a lot of people to think about. So that uh, if anything unexpected, you fall sick, some accident happened to you, there is something available for you. Mm. Insurance as a, as a base Insurance layer. as well. So protection, mm. right? Protection whether against personal accident or even some critical illness. I think that's important. Right. But I think that, you know, planning for 100 years is really quite difficult. For example, it's even hard to, to plan for 10 years ahead, let alone, you know, living up to 100 years old. The way we imagine our lifestyle to be, the way we spend money, our consumption habits, it's going to look different at 80 years old as compared to 50 years old as compared to 30 years old, right? Yes. So let's go into the details of the planning aspect. So you mentioned, okay, first first step, you know, ensure that you are covered in terms mm. of insurance mm. in case of emergencies, mm. right? So so what's after that? Mm. Well, actually, even in the areas of insurance, there are many different kinds exactly. of cover, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing we do realize is that when we get older, naturally, we will tend to fall sick a, a bit easier. Mm. Right? I think we've seen that of our seniors. Right? Of course, there are ways to prevent that. That's by keeping fit again, making sure that your diet and everything keeps you healthy longer. Mm. I think that's one very important thing. But mm, we can't ignore the fact that you will reach a time in which you need some medical care. Medical expenses will be, will be needed. When we get older, naturally, medical expenses will get higher as well with new treatment and we all heard about medical inflation uh, every year. So a lot of people actually look at the medical insurance coverage as, wow, it's very high. As you get older, it will cost more, but it's still important to keep that in place because you never know how much you would need to fork out in terms of medical care when mm. it actually happens. So I think fundamental to that insurance coverage is that how do you make sure that uh, there is a, f uh, a form of medical coverage. And then after that is, is there anything to help you with passive income? Doesn't necessarily need to be insurance. Let me make it very clear. But are there other ways, right? Very well used and common method is, of course, get a, a property right. investment. Income. Use yeah. that rental income, right? That's one yeah. of the... We love our dividend income. Too. Uh, yeah, yeah, dividend income. Uh, something that gives you a passive income. Some mm. people at the OH, in fact, are using their passion and their, their hobbies to help them generate income. I have one case in point. I hope I am okay to quote his name. But uh, in fact, he was my classmate back in secondary school. Mm. He's now pretty famous as a mural artist. You guys can kind of guess who he is. And he used to be a finance director by profession. Oh, that's interesting life. Okay, okay. finance mural director artist. by finance mural artist. artist. Okay. His works is over Tongbaru and all stuff. He has always had this, because I knew him since my secondary school, right? He mm -hmm. has this great um, gift in art from young. Mm -hmm. Self-trained and all that. But we all know him as a great artist, fantastic with art. And so he, he has been pursuing his finance, um, finance career throughout. But he decided to take a gap and in fact started painting uh, over weekends on mirror walls in Tiong Bahru. 
right? Uh, on his own, he, he managed to get some cheap paints or even secure some sponsorship of paints, uh, exterior paints, and started painting um, images of what he remembered from his young when he was living in Chinatown. Mm. Right, so he started painting all that in Tamaru. That caught a lot of people's eyes, and he, in the end, I offered free spaces of walls to start painting around Chinatown, Tiong Bahru, uh, Everton Road, and so on. And he's now very famous. He is now being commissioned to paint in Penang, in in Cambodia, in different places. Mm. And uh, he is formally off his finance director job. He's doing this full time. And in fact, recently he took his art into canvas and he's starting to sell his paint, right? He's my age, 53. Mm. So he's definitely going, thing, going to a different stage of life right now. Totally just using his passion and his hobby to enjoy himself, right? S- s- tell his story because all his story is all about his childhood. And at the same time, you know, making a good income right now. So thinking about our life in terms of the multiple stages, it really shapes how we you know, live our lives. For example, in this case, finance director, mural artist, kind of like two different paths at the same time. Yeah. But now people, nowadays people are just you know, having a full-time job and having a side gig that could be totally oh, different. Right. Yeah. So how's your multi-stage life looking like? Well, my, well, I'm, I still, well, I must say I'm still a career man. So mm, okay. I'm prudential for three and a half years and tend to still be here naturally uh, because I'm enjoying the work because I, I, I am very much in line with what the company talks about, right? Which is helping everybody get the most out of life, right? So we want to help people get healthier, wealthier in that respect. And it's not just about a longer life because as, as you mentioned, like more people are living up to 100 and we are seeing it. The number of people living up to 100 is increasing, right? Uh, but we also want to make sure that they live healthy, life as well. And a lot of our recent studies actually show that uh, a lot of Singaporeans are not quite ready. Our recent reimagining to 100 mm. studies actually showed that about only 30% said that they're prepared to live up to 100 financially. It means 70%, 7 out of 10 people are saying they're not quite ready right, financially. So uh, for myself, I like to play my part to help do that uh, by working with my colleagues to make sure that we have goods and services to help and products to help uh, um, the Singaporeans to, mm. to actually live up to those years. Um, going to my next stage of life, well, I do have a few ideas. Uh, hopefully that will materialize once I decide that, hey, I have perhaps enough of this stage of life oh. and move on to something different that is in line with my passion and my hobbies. What, what might that be? Okay, so Some you, things that you're thinking about, <laughs> you're not too sure. Okay, you, you kind of mentioned running, right? Running, so keeping running. fit. So uh. I think thankfully I'm still maintaining quite well fitness and so on. But one thing which, and this one not a lot of people know about it. So this is kind of going All public. Right. And hence, <laughs> it's a it. commitment. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, we'll look, look I, for this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, in a couple of years time, yeah. I look back and say, okay, I've, I've That's right. this. I need to commit. <laughs> is that uh, perhaps I should go into uh, the space of fitness and promoting fitness. Okay. So i.e. Uh, being a personal trainer, right? Ooh, okay. Of which I can help people uh particularly maybe the seniors get healthy as well. So you can imagine this kind of uh, a silver personal trainer helping silvers in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think in some ways is meaningful. Uh, of course, I hope to help everybody along the fitness journey. Right? So I haven't been certified, I haven't been trained yet, but uh, I would like to do so at a certain stage of life uh, so that for the seniors, it's a good way to help them keep fit, be healthy. And for anybody else, right? Maybe people who are, and we do know that, a lot of uh, younger people go to the gyms 
Uh, and for these younger people, uh, perhaps besides just helping him with his fitness journey, uh, maybe along the way we can chat and I can impart or share some of my own experience in career life mm. to help him or her with their career life as well. So a bit of like that kind of personal training, personal coach kind of feeling. Hopefully that inspires some of our listeners to you know, think about what they want to do in terms yeah. of but when they retire, right? I mean, yeah. sometimes we talk about retirement and in our community, we talk about FIRE a lot. Financial right, dependence, right, yes. retire, retire early. early yes. But actually, you, you realize that we don't really want to retire early in the sense yeah. that we stop working and just go to the beach and drink martini all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, a bit of that is not bad. <laughs> a bit of that is not bad. Yeah. But it's, it's not, <laughs> not about like every day for the rest yeah, of your life. And it's not about yeah. retiring and then stay at home, watch Netflix. Watch TV, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not that, right? It's still being socially active. And, and I think you touched on a very good point because we've always Im- associate being ready for retirement in the financial sense. Mm. From our study that we have done recently, it's actually a, a lot more than that. Health, we have mentioned about it. Okay. You also need to keep healthy, but also socially, something mm. that can keep your mind active, right? I think that's important. So we talk about relationship. That's another right. one we need to maintain well as well mm. when we get into a uh, more senior age, right? And also we call it career, interestingly, right? Something of a career that keeps you mentally challenged, keeps you mentally satisfied that you're actually contributing. I think that's very important to lead a long life. Mm. So it's not just money, and it's not just health, but also the other two, relationship and in some ways career. Relationships will be like community. Community. For some people, it could be religion. Yeah, or family and friends. Right. Yeah, so all of this needs to come together. But for our conversation today, we'll focus a bit on the, the financial aspects because sure. you mentioned that not everybody's ready or not, not everybody feels ready for retirement from your surveys. Mm-hmm. Right? So people are worried that in their retirement years, they don't have enough. You know, we might not be as fortunate to be thinking about, oh, I want to be a personal trainer after I retire. Right. So how can we have that you know, quality of life, you know, achieving our dreams, fulfilling our dreams, and yet practice financial prudence at the same time? Mm-hmm. Well, a plan is always important, mm. right? I do see sometimes a lot of people spending beyond their means, right? That's where they get into debts and so on. I think having a clear plan is important to know uh, on a monthly basis how much you you earn, how much you have as income and how much you spend. There need to be a, 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 a good plan such that you are always able to save at the end of it. I mean, all the traditional talk about making sure that you park aside what you want to save before you spend. I think that is true. I personally practice that as well. Uh, this is from my own personal experience. I do keep an Excel sheet, uh, not so much of my daily spend, but I do keep an Excel sheet of my monthly spend, What, how much I put aside for insurance, for example, how much I put aside for investment, how much I would need to spend for my daily expenses and knowing what I save. And, and knowing what's my income as well, right? So if income get adjusted, okay, I can know whether I tweak more on the expenses, enjoy myself a bit more, or I tweak more on, uh, or I cut down on my, on, my, on my expenditure. So just to ensure that I still am able to achieve uh, an annual savings that I always target. Mm. Yeah, I think that to me is important. So always have that plan, right? If not, without a clear understanding of how much you spend, uh, sometimes we can lose our track. And I think that's that's may not be useful for you to keep up with uh, what you need when you get onto a 100-year life. Mm, many people I've interviewed do have their own form of tracking. Right. Excel spreadsheets, right. it's sort of the same. Right. I mean, keeping track helps you be aware yes. that that's one thing. And then you can work on either cutting your expenditure, increasing yes. your income, increasing multiple sources of income, etc. to help you towards your retirement years. Yeah. Okay, so we talk a bit about insurance as well. Okay. And 
I do meet up with my insurance agent quite regularly. And one of the things that I noticed is that for many of the plans, I, I keep seeing up to 99 years old. Ah, okay. <laughs> up All to right. 99 years old. But we're talking about living up to 100 years old. Mm. What happens in, in that case? Mm. I think a lot of insurance companies, in, including Prudential, there are now a lot more policies and products that are structured that actually stretch above 100 years. Of course, not all. You are absolutely right. Some, some don't. Uh, and what we are doing is constantly reviewing to make sure that those policies in terms of years coverage make sense uh, to continue to provide the coverage and protection for our customers. Mm. So some of our products are in fact beyond 100 and more already. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because it feels like a term plan to 99 years. So, so um, if I'm worried about that, let that might live longer because who knows what it will be like many years from now, right? So should I be like using different insurance policies to, to make sure that I'm covered? Yes. Beyond 99 years old. I, I think you should, but mm. the best way to do that is constantly do a review of what you need. Because uh, one thing, as we all know, uh, sometimes what we need changes across mm. different years, especially now multi-stage life, right? We go back mm. to the whole thinking of multi-stage life. With each stage of life, your what you need for expenditure, what you need uh, to help you to save and invest could be very different, right? So I think you have to do your review very regularly. Mm, okay, okay. Moving on to investments. You know, if we think about a multi-stage life and living up to 100 years old, different stages of investment will, will mean different things, right? And we always talk about the longer runway, longer mm -hmm. horizon, long-term mm -hmm. investing and, and all that. But how should we think about investing at, at 60 years old, for mm. example, if you could live to 100 years old? Because that's still 40 years. Mm. That's still 40 years of runway if you think, think about it like that. Mm. And that really changes how you approach investing. Yeah, actually, you, you actually just said the right thing, right? Mm. Um, things that I would agree with. Mm. If we expect ourselves to live a longer life, and hopefully it's 100 good years, your thinking when it comes to investment at 60, should have that kind of horizon in mind. And actually 40 years is still quite a long time, mm. right? If you think about the ability to uh, use the effect of compounding, right? It, that actually still would enable you a nice runway to think about investment. So, but at the same time, uh, I think it's very prudent to adopt the thinking that all the time you should also assess your own risk mm. when you come to your risk preference, your risk, your risk appetite. Right. Understand your risk, then you would then be able to put in the right investment, uh, whichever stage of life you are in. But at 60 years old, as you said, you expect yourself to actually live close to about 100. You have quite a few years to still take advantage of compounding. Right, because um, what I commonly read about is that, you know, as you reach your retirement years, you should be putting into safer assets, for example, de-risking, mm -hmm. so that you have enough for your retirement. Mm -hmm. But that is assuming that, you know, maybe you live to like 85 years old, but when it stretches to 100 and even beyond, it really changes the way you think about risk. Yeah. Right? And the way you invest at 30 years old is going to be different from the way you invest at, at 80 years old. That's right. right. So in fact, our recent studies that we mm. did found that perhaps it's also pandemic, right? Last right. two years. And we did our research uh, early last year in the middle of the pandemic. We find that a lot more people are doing active assessment of their portfolio. I think that's a good thing, mm. right? They're just not just letting their portfolio just sit they're doing a lot more reassessment review of their portfolio. They're also looking at more ways to diversify their investment. Right? We're looking at, for example, how to best make use of their CPF funds and so on. I think that is a very positive sign that we're seeing of Singaporeans being more active and being more proactive in managing um, their own wealth. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... 
We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Okay, I'm asking all these questions, right? Because I find it hard to imagine life at 100 years old. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to when I was 20 years old and tell Andrew that your life would be like this, you know, 30s, he, he wouldn't believe it. Right. Let alone now, 30 years old, 30 plus, and I'm thinking about life at 100 years old. Right. So many things would have changed by then. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I'm thinking about, which would be interesting to think about as a thought experiment, is that let's say you go to 100 years old, right? Your children will be in their 60s and 70s right. as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. also the, you know, like they're older. Yeah. <laughs> so how should you manage your um, legacy planning, leaving your, your money to the next generation? Because... Uh, there's also something that I read about recently is that, you know, our traditional way of um, leaving our legacy behind is that we pass away right. and, and then we leave it in our will. But with us living to 100 years old and, and our children being 60s in their 60s and 70s, right? Should we think about estate planning differently? I think it's always good to again plan early. Mm. The earlier you plan uh, is good. I go back to my point about mm. making sure that you are ready to live out your years, right? So, I would suggest that uh, before you decide to immediately pass down, even mm-hmm. though you have that plan early, but if you decide to pass down everything, make sure that you have whatever funds available for you to live out mm-hmm. through those years that you, know, you expect yourself to live out, right? And still keep excesses. Then once you have the excesses, then uh, plan that legacy or wealth transfer early. Um, if not, um, you know, when unfortunate things happen and your family members are not prepared. Mm. Sometimes we all know that can lead to potential friction. Um, unhappiness. That unhappiness, right. That, right. And uh, if you have that all well planned, at least that is, uh, that's, that's out of the way. Okay. So do you have any advice for our listeners who could be in their 20s and 30s or even 40s right now, right? About how they should start thinking about retirement. I, I realize that even for myself, many of us, we might not be thinking about retirement in the first place, mm-hmm. right? So first step, get your insurance covered. Mm. So any other advice that you would give them? Well, I think good to think about what does multi-stage life mean to you. Mm-hmm. So again, you mentioned retirement, right? right? But again, I would put in the context of retirement as how do you lead a multi-stage life first? Because uh, again, the way you have framed the question is retirement seems to suggest the yeah. typical three-stage life. Right, right. Perhaps not, right? I think it's good to ask ourselves if you're in your 20s, 30s and 40s, what is your, three, your multi-stage life? Right? How, is, how do you see this current stage of life that you're leading? Is it what you want? 
Do you envisage that you may go to a different stage of life? Then you plan accordingly. Mm. Um, if your question is all about how do you make sure that you plan such that your excesses when you get more, when you get older, I think start early. Mm. I, I cannot say enough of that. Okay. Always start early because then you have so many more years to ride out volatility in the market, uncertainty in the market, things that you don't expect. Uh, interestingly, as what we have seen, a lot of black swan event, unexpected mm. things have been happening, right, in the last few years. And that cycle is getting shorter. Mm. Right? Nobody would have guessed that we are in pandemic and even under the impact of COVID-19 till now, right? Yeah, how do you plan for that? How do you plan for that? The geopolitical tension that we are seeing right now in Europe, how do you plan for that? So such unexpected events means that you need to always plan such that you are able to write out all this. And being young is great because being young, you have all these years to write out all this volatility. Mm. I think you're right. The whole idea about traditional retirement is still very ingrained in our psyche. Mm. But we could be thinking about multi-stage life, for example, mini retirements or short retirement or a semi-retirement. And if you think about it that way, the, the way you do your planning will be very much different. Yeah. Interestingly, and I think this is quite coincidental, <laughs> I actually just came from lunch uh, meeting up with an ex-colleague of mine who has done exactly that. Right? It's a very good example of multi-stage life. So she was my colleague in one of my previous uh, role and she decided to pursue her EMBA right? mm -hmm. in such a way that she took a sabbatical from her current job. That means effectively four to five months, no pay. right? But she has enough to mm -hmm. firstly pay for her EMBA in INSEAD. She has money to survive, live, have a good life. And in fact, was in uh, Fontainebleau, in Seattle, French, uh, the, 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 the campus, to live a couple of weeks, went to Barcelona, went to Spain, travel around. She's exactly doing that multi-stage life. So she has just updated me that uh, she's going on to take up now a job in Paris. Fantastic, mm. right? Mm. Totally different stage of life now and doing things in the ESG area environmental sustainability and governance totally different from what she used to do I think that's interesting because sometimes <laughs> and she's 35 she's your age oh okay, okay. second stage life second stage of, of a, a different life alright and I'm not sure if they consciously plan for it because it's very hard to think at this point in time mm -hmm. or looking at 50 years in the future my life is gonna be like this in different stages mm -hmm. sometimes you follow the flow yeah. and, and it happens right. Right. So that makes the the way you approach it very differently, right? right. But no matter what, you, you should always plan for it. Yes. Yes. Just know that you have a multi-stage life. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's no longer you know, three stages. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about the whole prudential research and the surveys you have done and about this 100 years, planning for 100 years. Any other interesting insights from it? Okay. This study actually started in 2018, right? Mm. When we talk about helping Singaporeans live to 100. So the first stage is all about living to 100. And we were trying to find out how ready Singaporeans are mm. in respect to that. Uh, and then second year, through that initial studies, we went into different areas. How do you have uh, savings to 100, for example, career to 100? And from that, there are different insights that help us uh, review what Singaporeans should watch out for. Coming to this uh, latest study that we've done is in some ways in reaction to the impact of pandemic. So this is in fact the third year that we did uh, the research on reimagining to 100 because we feel that this two years living in the pandemic does shape the preparedness, the readiness, 
does awaken a lot of Singaporeans up with respect to how they plan differently. Because we have to face it. I mean, this is actually quite a, to some life-changing experience, right? To suddenly wake up and say, that, hey, what if, and you question uh, yourself, do you need to prepare yourself, for example, investing differently or protecting differently? So from the figures that we have seen, less than half feel that, in fact, close to half actually feel that this pandemic has affected them financially. Mm. Because uh, as we all know, in 2020, the first year of pandemic, people have lost jobs, right? Especially those in the harder hit sectors like uh, aviation or the tourism sector. So they feel that financially there is a negative impact to them. And there are also other results that actually show that, uh, as I mentioned just now, Oh, the silver lining is that uh, because of this, they pay more attention to what they have invested in. So constant review, more regular reviews, being more active into looking at different funds for them to actually uh, look into, right? So how do I tap CPF? Should I do more into SRS and so on? So you get their responses before the COVID and, and then yes, during this actually did a time of COVID as well and yes, you compare the two yes, different responses. Yes, okay. I'm going to take a pause here and pour some tea. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not forget our tea. This is a good way to chill and relax and and slow down. Yeah. This is extremely healthy for yourself as well because this clears um, so-called oil in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, very Teochew thing. I, teochew thing? I used to drink this in my... Teochew thing? I used to drink uh. this in my... This is uh, Teochew... Them, uh, what they call it in, in mm. Teochew. I used to drink this in my teenage years with my father, I remember, after dinner. Because he's a big believer that this actually clears the more the oily stuff in your Yeah, the system. toxins from your body, right? Yeah. Kind of suits our retirement theme. Mm. I imagine retirement exactly. to be like this, yeah. you know. Yeah. Sipping tea, chatting with your friends, yep. really enjoying life. And yeah. that's what we should be working towards. In order to get there, we have to start right now. <laughs> Exactly. And, and, and start thinking. Yeah. In fact, in Chinese, it's not drinking tea. They call it ping cha. Ping cha. Yeah, mm. ping cha is like appreciate tea, right? So right. you drink is... Uh, just putting, you, you know, just yeah. drink it in, but you appreciate it mm. is different. Yeah, so, well, you mentioned about many people saying that they don't feel prepared for retirement, right? Mm. Do you think it's a psychological factor? Because how do you ever feel prepared for retirement? It always feels not enough or there could be some uncertainty that you did not... It's a very good question. Uh, from the study that we had done, we asked them more from a straight up question. I mean, of course, we didn't draw all their financial numbers, their asset and liability whatsoever and see whether they are prepared. Mm. Because as you said, you never know, right? How long a person stays and what the expenses in the future. But it is more of um, psychologically, mentally, they feel, are they prepared? Right. Do they have the confidence? I think that's very important. Mm. Do they have the confidence that they have prepared enough for retirement. And what we have found out from this research so far is that there's a need to build financial resilience. So it's not just about preparedness, it's resilience as well, because it's not just lasting the years, but to be prepared for unexpected things along the way. How how resilient you are to any shocks in the system or whatsoever. Mm. But what's even even scarier is that Maybe I don't even have the space to think about retirement because currently I am worried about my finances, mm. my current financial situation. And it could be uh, an income, a loss of income mm. and, and all sorts of scenarios, right? Mm. And what would be your advice to them 
Well, that's where it's good to get sometimes help in terms mm. of financial planning. Okay. You mentioned just now you meet up with your financial agent on and off, right? Okay. In, in Prudential, we wouldn't want to see them as financial agent, actually. We see mm. them as financial consultant because mm-hmm. they, it is important for them in their role to consult and advise, right? And hopefully customers see the value of getting the advice from them because they need to look at their life, what they need, their life stage, different stage of life again, and then evaluate what is needed. You talk about potential loss of income. That can come from many ways. That's just yeah. what we That's mentioned, right? That's one of right? the shocks. That's one of the shocks, yeah. right? You never know. And I've seen young people falling very, very ill, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you do that, we need to understand that immediately if you, even though you have saved out enough money by then, right? If you're not well covered, for example, for medical, for hospitalization, all that money can just be taken away for your treatment. Then what are you left with? Your whole savings that potentially could be for maybe an education, MBA, or for retirement could all be used up for your treatment. So I think you need to be prepared for such shocks. And there are a lot of products in the insurance world that can help you prepare and all that, right? So for example, protection against critical illness, that can help a lot. And uh, this is a study that was done in 2017, the results revealed in 2018, in fact, by the uh, Life Insurance Association. Uh, working with all the insurers shows that in Singapore, protection for critical illness is an 80% gap, mm. right? So there's a certain ways of which they measured what one would gap. need. Mm. That's a huge mm. gap, right? What, what one would need mm. uh, in, term, in times of such need for critical illness. And Singapore preparedness is only 20%. There's an 80% gap. Well, what's missing in the 80%? Like, what are they missing in terms of coverage? Uh, in terms of coverage, exactly. Yeah. The critical illness, if, if money, yeah, critical okay. illness. So they look at two areas. One is mortality coverage. Mm. So if you unfortunately pass away, what is enough for your family to sustain the lifestyle? That is slightly better. There's about, if I remember, it's a 20% gap. But in terms of critical illness gap, that is 80%. Yeah, because... Imagine critical illness is when you need treatment because you are still living but mm. you are ill, right? And because of that, you may not have money or you do not have the time and the ability to work, no income suddenly. What would your family be living mm. on? What If you have other insurance policies to cover your hospitalization, that's great. If not, at least a critical illness, lump sum payment back will allow you money to help you your treatment, for example. Okay, okay. Do you have a checklist or a cheat sheet? Like for example, you mentioned accident, disability, critical illness, whole life. Like, is there like a, a step-by-step, I should get this settled first and then I move to the next level? Okay, mm. so I think uh, health, again, most mm. basic. Health. If you fall sick, would you go to, right? Yeah, so, so hospitalization? Hospitalization, right? Critical so illness. we have a national healthcare program, so mm. the whole MediShield health. Okay, right? yeah. But most people would find it advantageous to supplement that with an integrated shield plan. Okay. Right? So that's important. So that helps you with your hospitalization. That's that one layer. Next is what happened if you are touch wood, mm. made total permanent disability. Right. If you meet that. An accident. An accident, yeah. right? So how would your family live for? What would you live on? So I think that you need to take care of as well. Mm. Okay. So you're, you're alive, but you don't have um, earning income system. capability. Yeah, exactly. And you, have, you, can't and you need, yeah. you need, money to right. keep you sustained, right? right. Okay. And then the third one would be critical illness. Mm, okay. Right? If, when you're not permanently disabled, in mm. a sense, and permanent disability is always measured by uh, your daily activities that you can do, right? Mm. So uh, this is when you are critically illness is where you can actually do your, still do your daily activities, but you are not well and you need to seek treatment, right? Mm. And for very critical stuff. 
you have heart or cardio related diseases or cancer i mean mm. these are the key or you know uh, risk of stroke those are critical illness that you need to take care of and when that happens uh, really your lifestyle will be affected your family will be affected so how you protect against that mm. right then last but not least then as what we said how do you save enough for your so called retirement or mm. later years right savings. in that sense your savings okay. as well i think those different right. areas and pockets is enough is 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 essential for you to mm. think about let's see if i get it come. right hospitalization total yeah. permanent disability, disability critical illness yeah. and then savings, savings. yeah okay all yeah. right thank you thank you yeah you're welcome Thank you for listening all the way here. Stay after this outro because usually we have some bonus content right at the end. It's like the end credit scene of a movie. But before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. If you like more of this content, join our Telegram group, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter. For all this and more, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. My name is Andrew. Stay tuned for the next episode of Chill with the Financial Coconut. Thank you. What is one of your core life principles? Friends who know me, colleagues who work with me know that there's one core principle that I always try to live by, which is authenticity. Mm. Right? I think to me that's important. Being authentic means that you it's easier for you to build trust with people and relationship. Uh, this means the way I express myself, the way I behave myself. Once you're authentic, I, I feel it's being true to yourself and I, I can sleep better. <laughs> that's, that's. How does that show up in your life, authentic city? Uh, how does that show up in my life? Uh? Okay, good and bad. Uh, that mm. This one is a true story. Mm-hmm. Right? Good is that, as I said, um, people who n- know me and work with me know that because of my nature and the, my view on authenticity, what comes out from me is true. Mm. Right? I don't sometimes try to sugarcoat things. This doesn't mean that I, can, I need to be mean. Right? Authentic means that you bring a clear message through don't need to sugarcoat things and so that we address always the, the, the right problems, right? Uh, the, the bad thing is perhaps sometimes because of that, because I'm so direct and so clear, um, I can offend people as well, right? So I recognize that, right? So yeah, that's how I kind of live my life and that's mm. my core principle in life. Got it, got it. Authentic city. What is one piece of financial advice that you think should be shared more often? I may start sounding like a broken record, Andrew. Um, my point about starting early again, right? That's repeating, yeah. Yeah, I think if anybody has not started planning, uh, plan soon, right? I think it's always good to 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 start looking at what you need, uh, not just in insurance, I must say, whether it's investment, savings, very basic savings, spending against what you earn, I think that's important. So start early. Uh, and when it comes to investment, of course, we all know it's a very ageless, wise advice. Start early because uh, the compounding effect will work on you for your favor. Your longer years will help you ride out any changes in, in volatility in the market. What is an area of your life that you're giving additional focus right now? Ah, that's an interesting question, right? So right now, obviously, I'm happy with my job, right? Uh, and with all the different things that's thrown to us that as, as we all know there are new technologies new development new business models and all that happening and that's something very much in line with the government is preaching is continuously learning right so I still would want to pay more attention to learning new things uh, learning new technologies all these new things about metaverse 
NFT. Wow, fascinating things that move so fast. Sometimes I find so difficult to catch up. So I would want to spend more time to learn such things. So that mm. you know, in some ways, I I can also have conversation with young people, right? I, I don't want to get into a conversation with you know people of your age, very young, and start talking about NFT and say, huh, and Samoti. I don't understand, right? So at least I'm able to carry out a conversation. And they could also be interesting things that I look at to do for myself, right? Mm. right? So I think that's important. Uh, second thing is, uh, as I mentioned at the start of this uh, conversation, is that my kids are obviously a teenage years, they're older, I have a bit more time to myself. And I just want to focus more on my friends. Yeah, and I'm not talking about massive group of friends, right? Uh, I think it's about the few friends that you feel totally comfortable with uh, because in, who knows, many more years to come, I may be you know, looking for occasions like that to sip tea with them, drink kopi with them. Yeah, right. Or they need my help for exercises. The few friends that you're totally comfortable with, I think invest and continue to invest in those friendships. All right. That to me is what I'll focus on. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah. Nice talking to you. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.